0: All right, welcome to the first episode of Acquired Tastings. I'm Josh Mills. And I'm John Mills. And tonight's episode is going to be about wine. We're going to be doing two different wines from the south of France. Uh, we're going to be doing the Whispering Angel, Rosé, from Côte de Provence. And the E. Gargal. Côte de Rimblin. Uh Both wonderful wines. I'm super excited to get started, so... Also, we have to kind of snack on as our pairings tonight. We have some Genoa salami. We have some prosciutto americano, uh, comte cheese from France. We have some English cheddar and a French goat cheese, as well as an Italian salami called birsola. That's out of beef tenderloin and then apples and strawberries. So it's going to be. Good tasting. I'm pretty excited. What about you, Dad? Yeah, I'm getting thirsty and hungry all together. Why don't we get started? All right, let's get into it. So the first one we're going to talk about tonight is the Whispering Angel Rosé. Now, like I said, this is a rosé from the Côte de Provence. So we're talking down southeastern eastern France, uh, kind of in the French Riviera area, so kind of down below. The Rhone. Uh, so let's talk about the wine. So, um, the this is it's such a pretty wine, don't you think, Dad? Oh, I really do. It's kind of like a salmon, a salmon color, like a really light, medium pink. Um, it's. <laughs> Gorgeous looking in the glass. We wish you could see it. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully you've got some with you. Um, Oh, the smell, Josh. Yeah. You smell this? Oh, man. There's a lot of like bright fruit on it. A lot of like white cherries some white strawberries and just you get a lovely mineral mineral characteristic on it. Is that a Grenache Blanc? So this is a blend of Grenache, Cinso, Syrah. Carignan, and Vermentino. Syrah, are you kidding? Yeah, Syrah in there. And it probably it, One of the things is going to help give it some depth and some uh, color as well. So since this being our first episode about wine, you're going to hear uh, probably me do some funny things in the podcast. Um, so like we've talked I'm about. Not supposed before, to laugh when you do that. I mean, you can. You definitely could. So like I, like I've said before, I mean... I'm a level one sommelier, and so I taste wine differently. You may hear me aerate. You may hear me, you know, kind of exprate, you know, put it back into a cup. Not the same cup I'm drinking out of. Don't worry. Um, but it just kind of helps me get some of the flavors. So, um, all right, let's taste this one. Well, that so, is flavor. I mean, really. Yeah, it's really, really yummy. I mean, you get a lot of those same kind of notes, but the that, um, that acid on it just wakes up your palate. Like I'm still my mouth is still watering after it. What about that lovely texture? Oh, yeah. It's got a great it's got a great texture to it. You know, mouth, it's really light kind of feeling, but it also kind of gives you everything that you want. It's to me, this is kind of one of those white wine or excuse me, one of the rosés. That's a red wine drinker's rosé. Let's take another taste, Because it's got a lot of, it's got a lot of things to it. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> mm. That is really crisp and floral. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of white flour on this one. It's really, really yummy. Uh, so, like I said, we're going to just kind of chit-chat and kind of drink about, um, drink the wine and kind of eat some of the food as we go along. Um, So like I said, this is from the Côte de Provence, which is in the south of France. Uh, The vintage on this wine is 2018. Um, Coming from the Côte de Provence, they are known for world-class rosés. So what we're drinking now is is fitting into exactly what they do really well down there. And they have wonderful rosés. And if we think about kind of the food that goes with it, traditionally, You know we're talking we're down near the mediterranean sea so we're going to have a lot of fish dishes we're going to have a lot of different lighter fare a lot of you know if we think about what's grown there there's a lot of lavender grown there you know herbs de provence you know that wonderful spice Or mix that that is well known across the world comes from the same region. So these are still kind of things that are going to go together. But that's why we have a lot of things on our board today that are a lot lighter in flavor, you know, with the Genoa salami and the cheeses as well. So what do you think about it, Dad? It's really a good wine. Did you look at the legs, Josh? No, tell me about them. So
1: they're not real long legs, but you know that you the very distinct on the glass maybe you ought to tell the listeners what we're
0: talking about legs. Uh, they're wondering legs on a glass. So, what <clears throat> a lot of people have heard of legs. You may have also heard them called tears. Uh, what it is, is it helps you understand the viscosity of the wine. So how, um, how quick do they fall down the glass? How big are they? As a blind taster, what they tell, what it really tells you is about alcohol content. Um, some people say, well, the bigger the legs, the better the wine. That's not really true. Um, it's a lot more about the alcohol content, and these are kind of medium, so we're looking at kind of an alcoholic content that's not going to blow your brains off. This is a, it's 13% alcohol, which is pretty, pretty medium. That's middle it of the road. Yeah. Um, it's not like it's 10 and a half, like some of the, some white wines, and it's not, you know, 15, 16, <laughs> like you're getting out of some of the, some Zinfandels and other ty- other types of wine. All right. So what else are you tasting in it, Dad? Well, I do taste the fruit, and it's
1: it's it's a light fruitiness. It's not fruit forward, but that's that's fine, and that's kind of what you expect in this wine: light,
0: floral, fruity. Good taste. Yeah, and rosés. So one of the interesting things about rosés is, you know, we don't when we go to the supermarket, we don't see any pink grapes there. Um, there actually are no real pink grapes. There's a couple that are a little bit kind of grayish. um, And we'll talk about those when we get to them, like Gehurt and Pinot Gris. But Grenache, Cinso, Syrah, and Carignan are all red grapes. And then Vermentino is actually a white grape. So it's gonna add some of that acidity to it. Like looking about the kind of how this wine was made, you know, after they harvested it, that he stemmed it. And when they pressed it, they kind of kept it really, really low. So it didn't get oxidized and kind of bring out some of those flavors. Uh, but they also, <coughs> when they pressed it, they left it on the skins for just a little bit of time. And actually the skin of the grape is where the color comes from. Because all the flesh of all wine grapes are actually clear. So if you take out... If you take any red grape and you press it without contact with the skin later on, the juice is actually white. Yeah. So, and then they they put it in stainless steel and then they they turn it or what's called bat Now, wait a minute. Stainless steel? Uh-huh. What? Yeah, not, most. Not oak? No, this one is actually not oak. Oat condition, most white wines and rosés are actually done in stainless steel because it gives it a crisp, kind of clean, that clean flavor. Doesn't add any of those kind of warming baking spice notes. Right. Okay. Are you about ready to start a little pairing? Well, I mean, I've been snacking as we go, but that's yeah. just me. Um, I did have the prosciutto with it and I really, really enjoy it. You know, we have prosciutto Americano, so it's a little bit, uh, lighter, um, in the porkiness of it. Um, but it's still got great flavor. Um, and then the Genoa salami is going to be nice and light with it as well. I mean, when I had it, the, the prosciutto really didn't change to me really didn't change the wine that much. And that's one of the things about pairing is, you know, your wine can actually change based on what you're eating. You don't want to overpower the wine
1: with the food. And so if we had a a peppery sausage, this would not really work well.
0: Probably not. So have you tried strawberries with it? I have not. I just had a piece of the comte. And the comte actually brings out some of the bitterness within the wine because of its fattiness and its kind of extra salt content but it's really good what was okay. that that
1: strawberry went well with it too you know this the strawberry kind of adds to the fruitiness of it uh doesn't distract from the flavors so
0: very nice very nice pairing yeah, it's really good. So, when it comes to pairing, there's a couple different philosophies that some people have. You know, there is kind of the best one is what grows together goes together. So, if we think about if we were to have a fish dish with this, which would be great because, you know, Côte de Provence is down near the sea. If we had things for um seasoned with Herbs de Provence would be great. Another thing we you want to do is you want to enhance both the food and the wine. And that can be done with like, I call them like, like pairings. So dad, what I want you to do for a like, like pairing is I want you to try the goat cheese that we have with oh. some of the white wine, because yeah, right. as we talked about this rosé, that there's a lot of acid in it and goat cheese, has actually a lot of acid to it as well. So this is what's going to be a like like pairing. So it's going to be that acid, it's going to have those acidic components that are going to go together and elevate both of them.
1: Absolutely correct, Josh. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how does uh, it taste different? Goat cheese really goes well with it. It it doesn't distract from the fruitiness. You still have the fruitiness, but they just pair so well. Yeah. Here's a fun fact for you. The Greeks were the first to take advantage of France's wine area that we're talking about, Provence and and Durham. And guess when they did it? Twenty five hundred years ago. Wow. (laughs) So France has been France has been a winemaking area for a long, long
0: time. Yeah. I mean, they're you know, some people attribute the Romans and the Greeks to moving. Moving wine, wine grapes or wine, excuse me, or grapevines into France during their occupation to help grow and basically water the army. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one thing you're going to notice as you drink, especially wines like white wines and rosés and even red wines, if you put a little bit of a chill on them. Is that they're going to evolve as they warm up. So we're going to go back to this wine now for a second, kind of look at it. And red wines are also kind of open up as they get oxygen to them. So I'm going to go back and give it another sniff and another taste. So, yeah. so what are you smelling? So now to me, I don't know about you, Deb, but the minerality. So like the chalkiness or the stony stoniness is actually a little bit more prevalent and the, the fruits have gone a little bit to more of a like tart white cherry or kind of underripe strawberry. just on the, just on the smell alone, um, just kind of hits a little bit more of that. And when we talk about these fruits, remember they're not actually in the wine. That's right. They're not actually made from this. Well, there are, there are. Right. And there, there are wines that are made of from every fruit, but we're talking about grape, you know, vitis vinifera. And so, you know, these flavors and these smells that we're actually tasting and smelling are from the winemaking process and the alcoholic um, fermentation process that come, that are released. And that's what we smell and what we taste. There's not actually you know, underripe strawberry or white strawberry juice put into this. So what else? Sorry, you just took a bite of something. What'd you eat? Uh which is this cheese, Josh? Uh that is the cheddar. The cheddar. That's right.
1: Um it has a non-floral, uh earthy taste. <laughs> and let me let me see what the wine does. You know, it the cheese didn't overpower it. The wine still has, and it, I think the cheese brought out some of that earthiness that's natural with those grapes and the and the soil that it was uh-huh. grown
0: in. So that's a very good taste as well. Good. And as we're tasting this, I think you know, in in the actual taste of the wine as it opens up fruit actually is coming a little bit more prevalent as it warms up. And I, I mean, there's a reason that Whispering Angel markets this as one of the world's most popular roses. I mean, it's 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 delicious. It doesn't disappoint. Here in Arkansas, you know, this runs between $23 and $27. So it's a pretty good value for your for your buck dad, you were telling me at one point when you guys were traveling, you saw this in Norway. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. So it's, it's Mm world-class. It is super yummy. Mm -hmm. So, um, the so we were talking about going to talk about the pairings again um we talked about like like pairings we talked about what grows together goes together and then another one is a contrast so you can have things that will balance each other out so kind of like a yin and yang thing we really don't have a yin and yang pairing i think on our plate on our plate right now um and the beer solo, maybe because it's going to be very salty, but it's not going to have that fat. So yeah. you kind of want to play around with your tastes. And so a contrasting a contrasting pairing would be something like if you take a like a Pinot Noir or a Rosé and you actually put it and you put it with a fish or a good Beaujolais, a Cru Beaujolais with a fish, because you know the old rule: red, red with meat; white with fish. You know that was the standard. That was for, the old rule. That was the standard for a long time, and there are a lot of great pairings. But you don't want to pigeonhole yourself because there are some great, you know, opposite pairings. One of the crazy ones is that I've heard is Thai food with Riesling. So you have, Is that a
1: sweet Riesling or a non-sweet? There's going to be
0: more of the dry Rieslings or even mm, a little yeah. bit sweeter because Thai food is usually what? Spicy. Spicy. And you need something to kind of balance the spice on the other end. And that more sweeter style white wine is probably going to be better. But if you were to have probably like a Cabernet or a Syrah or a Zinfandel, something with, that's big with a lot of alcohol, that may not work because... Alcohol actually will enhance heat. Yeah. Yes. Right. So I, I mean, can't. You'd, you'd be having heat on heat. Having heat and eating and just keep sweating. Well, there are some people who like that. I mean, those people that eat, you know, what habaneros and That's right. ghost peppers and all those things together. I'm not a ghost pepper person. Yeah, no, I mean, Me either. I'm a wuss when it comes to this. So. So let's, uh, final thoughts, dad, what do you think about this wine? Oh, we love it. And in fact, it's one of my wife's go to,
1: mm. you know, so when we go, uh, to our favorite liquor store and it's wine Wednesday, it's time to stock up on whispering angel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we're like, we've said before, we're in uh, little rock, Arkansas, and it is currently, what is it? June. 30th when we're recording this June 28th and it is already hot down here. We're hitting 90 degrees upper eighties and nineties. Like it's so hot today and humid. We've had a couple pop-up thunderstorms come through. And so Rosés are fantastic for Arkansas summers because they're just light and refreshing. And even if you like to drink just all red wine, they can be a good bridge To get you to your big red wine, just kind of help cool you off and get you going.
1: Well, as an example, last night we were outside eating and we were eating steak and we were drinking good cab red wines that went perfect with that meat. But we we could have had something that was like this rosé that might have been wonderful and go with that steak and be cooler and nicer because
0: we were outside in the heat. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's a great wine. I love this wine. I think it's I think it's spectacular and at a good at a very good price point. And it to me, it hit, kind of hits all the but, it hits all the buttons when I want a good rosé. That's right. Me, too. All right. So let's uh let's go to our next wine. And dad, you're going to take over this one. So we have a
1: 2016. Igor Gao, Coach de Rome, basically from that same southern France area. And uh, but it's a red. And it's uh,
0: a GSM. So Josh, what is GSM? Besides one of my favorite blends, it is a Garnache Syrah Movedra blend. And so this one is
1: 50% Chirac, 40% Grenache, and 10% Marvade. How do you say it? Mauvedra. Mauvedra. I'm not French. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so it, um, it, it is a very good wine. Why don't we do a taste first, Josh? Yeah,
0: let's go through it. Yeah. It's a beautiful color. Yeah, it's a deep, deep red. Mm-hmm. Almost like inky purple yeah it's, it's still it looks so good mm. colors not putting anything in the tears which sometimes we call when it when it comes to red wine and we look at the tears we can also look at the staining so if there's any color transfer into the into the tears that kind of lets us know some of the extraction level and could help figure out the grape if you're doing this blind now this one is put up for a full 18 months before it's
1: released. And it's put up, not in steel, but it's put up in oak barrels. Does it say what type of oak, that is? No, it doesn't. Um, Probably French. It could be uh, an American oak, because that's what we saw overseas. You know, when you make bourbon, that bourbon oak can only be used once. So what happens is a lot of Europeans if they want American oak, they're buying it from a bourbon location, Mm -hmm. distillery,
0: and using it again. Mm -hmm. I think this one, though, is uh, it's probably French oak. Um, It probably is. This one's probably French oak um, just because of how it kind of smells. You know, so... We've talked about blinding a little bit and we'll get to a little bit more at the end of the episode when I do my first blind. But there are certain particular markers which help us kind of deduce what wine we're actually tasting. And when it comes to oak usage, um, we talk a lot about baking spices and vanilla and some things like that. And French oak is going to be more your baking spices and vanilla and actually American oak, you can get coconut and dill off the smell and the taste of it. And it's usually more pungent of an oak. So I'm I'm gonna guess, I'm gonna go on a limb and say that this one is gonna be French oak usage. So I, I think so. I think you're right, Josh. There
1: there's a picture that I looked at and it, it did not look, look like American oak. It was darker. Um you now we talked about mouth watering with whispering angel. I don't really get a mouth watering, but I get a, a wonderful robust mouth feel.
0: What do you think, Josh? Well, tell me what you mean by like what is it, what do you mean by a robust mouthfeel? So when I when
1: I take that sip with Whispering Angel, it's not thin per se, but it's it's that mouth watering thinness compared to this robust mouthfeel. And when I say mouthfeel, it's like It's not chewy, necessarily
0: like a big, robust cab. Right. But it's moving in that direction. Yeah. So when it comes to red wine and actually all wine, you know, we have things that make our mouth water and we have things that dry our mouth. Um, Mouth water is acid. Mouth dryers are tannins. So you may have heard me kind of aerate my wine and actually will chew it a little bit and then I can... Spit it into a cup or expectorate it into a cup, and there the tannins will present themselves on different places within your mouth. So for me, this is a lot of like gets on my lips and my teeth. Exactly, say. exactly. Just but it also is back. it also kind of coat. It is coating and very. Good. It's delicious. The fruit the fruit on this is is really good. It's good black cherries, black blackberries. Yes, that's I'm getting some dark currents with
1: that. Mm-hmm. I'm also getting because probably because of the shiraz, I'm getting not a black pepper, but I'm getting like a white pepper. Mm-hmm. Just a little a little under the cover,
0: but it's a little a little peppery. Oh yeah. As opposed to a real big shiraz. Yeah, it's definitely got that pepperness and a little bit of a little bit of, I uh, like for me, it kind of has that smell, kind of reminds me of like raw or cooked, good cooked meat. You know, it kind of has that. Now, I hope we're not grossing a new view out, but we're saying all these things that we're getting in the wine, and it's not actually like none of it's bad. No, oh, no. It's just Shit. when we taste the wine, you know, it tastes good. It really tastes good. And then what we're doing is we're dissecting it. We're going deeper into it, thinking about more of what's there and why do I think this is good? Correct. Uh, More than just, oh, there's meat in here. Uh, Right. So it's and when I say white
1: pepper as opposed to black pepper, it's white pepper to me is a lot more subtle Mm -hmm. kind of sneaks in there but it's it's still peppery the other thing i'm getting josh and maybe you've tasted this too is
0: is a little chocolate i can i can kind of get a little bit of chocolate for me it's not it's when it comes to chocolate it's more like bitter cocoa powder than like biting off of a chocolate bar it's especially not milk chocolate. No, it's not a milk chocolate. It's more of a bitter, no. bitter kind of no, chocolate. We
1: wouldn't want milk
0: in here. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not. It may curdle. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about where this is. Um, kind of where it's from. Um, do you have anything? If you do, you find anything about the Gagalls? Um, you know, it's in that same southern.
1: Part of France mm-hmm. and it, it also is toward uh, the Mediterranean Sea. Mm-hmm. And those three grapes are in that same area. So, uh, there's, and the other thing about this area in France, there's not just three grapes,
0: there's probably 20 to 25. Yeah. And what what's kind of so some people may be thinking, well, I may have heard Rhone before, but I don't really kind of know what it is. What's a what's a region that a lot of people might know, a smaller sub region of the Rhone that people might know that uses up to 13 different grapes? Oh, you got me on that one, Josh. Well, it's from your book that you really like the man from Moscow. (laughs) What was the wine that he always had? Oh, let's see. Chateau de Pape. Yeah, the Chateau de Pape. So Chateau de Pop is a small is a smaller region from the Rhone Valley. Now, the Rhone Valley runs is a it's a little river valley that runs south from basically from Dijon all the way down to Lyon and even farther down than that. One of the main things to know about the Rhone Valley is there is a wind that runs down the Rhone Valley called the Mistrales. And what it does is it keeps it cool, it keeps the grapes cool, keeps the vineyards cool. So you can get some of these colder, you know, style grapes, you know, like. Grenache, you know, Grenache loves hot. Syrah loves hot. Ovejo likes it warm, but one's a little bit cooler. But if we keep going down, you'll find some Cinso and Carignan amongst the regions as we go. And so, you know, it's Rhone. When you're looking at French wine, it's not going to say what's in it. It's going to say where it's from. So kind of knowing these things that, okay, any most of the wines that I'm going to say that are going to have Rhone on it are going to be blends because this is not a single grape. It's three grapes. That's right. And so So it's. What was it, listeners? GSM. Grenache, Syrah, and Movedra. So three, three very delicious grapes when they come together. So we don't have any. steak with this
1: or we don't have any game but this would be a really good wine for your steak for your probably your deer meat venison would be really good you you guys out there that have venison you might want to just pick you up a bottle of this and this price point is lower than the whispering angel uh, it's going to be 16 to 20. So that's that's a nice price for your wine um, and and to mix that with your
0: game would be excellent. Yeah. I mean, all you hunters out there, duck hunters, deer, you know, all this would be great with game. You know, going back to what grows together, goes together. You know, Dijon is one of the really popular areas when it comes to astronomy and cooking in France, as well as Lyon. there's, oh, there's so much great food that goes on there. And one of the things I think that Cote de Rhone's are really good with are sausages. So like, if you think of a good bratwurst or if you can find a butcher that makes a Toulouse sausage, it's going to be great with it as well. Cause this, with those tannins on a contrasting pairing, it wants fat. It wants the kind of fat to help re-wet and kind of make things balance even better. Tell our listeners about a Toulouse
1: as opposed to just a plain old broth. So, so.
0: Toulouse sausage is going to use kind of a lot of the same initial flavoring. So it's a pork sausage, and, but it's going to have herbs to Provence in it. Oh, okay. So kinda, that's yeah. what brings in the Toulouse Toulouse is a is a city in the south of France, so it's going to kind of bring in a lot of those flavors from from the region. And so it would actually go well with both of these. Yeah, where can people get a Tarouse here in <laughs> Little? So people can get it from a place here in Little Rock called Ham in Hillcrest. I, I bet. Um, Hogs Meat Market in North Rock will have a similar style sausage. I wonder if Edwards, because they make their own brats, they don't. They don't. They wouldn't have a Toulouse sausage, but they're a good place to get good, really good sausages as well. And so, any any of your local places would that make good brats? A brat would be delicious with these because it has that kind of fattiness. But specifically, at the Toulouse because of that. Because of the herbaceousness and other things going on. And if you can't find that, you could get a brat with the cheese that's already
1: in it. I think that would go fantastic as well. Definitely.
0: So have you tried any pairings yet, Josh? I am going at that now. I think I'm going to start with the uh, Genoa salami because it's a little bit more fatty and garlicky, which is going to be really good. So I
1: just tried a strawberry. Yeah. So that it, it seemed like this wine didn't really smash that strawberry in the dirt. Uh-huh. Didn't, but it, it, and it really didn't extremely overpower it. Uh-huh. But it wasn't like the whispering angel that yeah. it was a compliment. Yeah. Like it just didn't, it didn't quite go as well. It still tasted really good, Mm -hmm. but just not, you know,
0: it it wasn't a great pairing. I mean, that's the thing is not everything's going to be great, but you and I both love strawberries. Oh, Oh, yeah. So (laughs) and it's the end of strawberry season around here in Arkansas. So we're going to have strawberries. And if it doesn't go great, you know what? The wine's good. The food's good. And that brings us to the last type of that's that's kind of the last type of pairing, you know that you have. You know what? Drink what you like and eat what you like. If you like Savion Blanc and you like steak, drink a Savion Blanc with with, while you're eating steak. Because you know what? If you don't like Barolo and you get a Barolo with your steak, you're not going to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So. That's the last type of pairing so that, that you can do is just drink what you like and eat what you like. But I'll tell you, going with what we have, the Genoa salami and the in the Cote is really good. It actually kind of helps your mouth to water again. You know, it just it gives it that fat so the wine is not so drying and kind of kicks up some of the fruity element, the fruit and the earth elements of it as well. I'm trying that now just to, just to make sure you're right. <laughs> He's always going to double check. Mm hmm.
1: What do you think about the apples with this?
0: I don't know, I just had a drink. Let me try an apple. All right. And we've got good some like Honeycrisp apples. Those are the best apples in our
1: our house. The I think apple. I think your discussion was correct. Yeah. yeah. That that fatty meat, that that
0: Yeah. Oh, that's the you had the beer solo. I had the brassola, That's right. Yeah. But that went very well. Uh huh. Yeah. That beef tenderloin, air dried beef tenderloin is going to be really good with it too. The apple, you know, it's not the best, you know, apple it's, it's having a hard time holding up to the wine and it's kind of taking out all of the fruit from the wine and just kind of leaves it. kind of missing. So, Oh no, to me, but you know, apples are good. I'm going to try some cheese here. This one. So the wine's opening up too. So I've noticed that as, as well, a, as you know, when it comes to red wine, as oxygen hits, it's going to do what's called open up. Um, basically the wine is beginning to oxidize and go bad, but <laughs> that's a good thing for us because. Oh, bad. A good thing. Wait, wait a, a minute. minute. No, I, said beginning to go bad I didn't say beginning I missed that word so it's good it's good for us because you know it allows the wine to express more and there are some of those smells that aren't really released until they come in contact with oxygen and so when that happens it kind of opens it up and kind of gets you some different flavors you know we're getting I'm getting a little bit more of the kind of that meatiness the kind of Earthy, dusty road kind of flavors with this now that I wasn't quite getting at the beginning, and the fruits kind of showing a little that more.
1: Some of the pepperness went away in my mind, yeah. But the earthiness kind
0: of is is more. Mm-hmm. You're kind of right. blew off a little bit. And I'm going to try the beer solo because I love beer solo. What do you think? It's really good.
1: I wonder about goat cheese. I don't
0: know. Let's see so one of the things mm, that's good wow say yeah it's really good kind of reminds me of eating a steak like having like the beer mm-hmm. solo yeah with kind of it takes me back there so one of the things about i never cut my steak that thin <laughs> that's true you unless it's on a cheese steak, right yeah. all right so talking about eager gall a little bit uh, Iguagal has been making wine in the Côte de Rhone in the Rhone region for hundreds of years. They've been they're one of the kind of names to go to when you're when you're looking for wine that comes from the Rhone, no matter what region it's from. And another thing about. <coughs> that I did not know until I was getting really in depth is they will usually have a larger percentage of Syrah in their Cote blend than other makers within the region. So there's no law requiring a specific amount within the Cote d'Aron. You just have to use the, uh, the Grenache, the Syrah, and the Mavedra. Um, but Igagal is always going to be one of the ones that has a higher Syrah content because they have a lot of property in the Rhone in the Rhone region that is that grows Syrah. They have uh, Cote de Roti, which is up in the north of the Rhone Valley, and they have got Château de Pop as they go on, and. Something else about Cote Daron and my dad kind of alluded to it, is this wine is a deal. You know, 16 to $20 for this wine. I think actually if you go on Wine Wednesday, it might be 15 Yeah. Well, like Cote d'Aaron's to me are one of the values when it comes to wine because I have found a great Cote um from an importer named Kermit Lynch that I can find it for like $12, $13 a bottle and it's super delicious. So what we're talking about here is Cote de Rhone is going to be the largest region when it comes to the Rhone Valley because it's kind of the, the left, I don't want to say leftovers cause it makes it sound bad, but it's kind of the out, the outside region of the Rhone Valley and well want uh, in a different episode where we talk more specifically about french wine we'll talk about the AOCs and the AOPs and the different laws that govern that govern wine and how, how the labeling kind of works, but Cotarone is kind of like, if you think about it as a pyramid, it's kind of your bottom level, one of the bottom levels of your pyramid, it's going to be kind of the largest region. It's not as specific of where it comes from. And then you're going to go up to something more of like, of you get to something like of De Pop, like we talked about, which is a very small Particular region that has its own particular laws, or even another one, Tavel. That's you, you know, it's got its separate laws. Yeah, and so, so Cote is a great place because a lot of the times, like Igual and other people, you know, they're making, you know, they're making Chateau Nuits de Pop, they're making Cote Rotis, they're making, you know, they're making all these different wonderful wines. And if they don't think the fruit is up to up to scratch or they don't they have too much fruit from a particular region, that same fruit can go into this wine. And so it it can be a stellar deal like this. I keep talking about this wine for the price point that it is, is is so good. And you could put it in front of people and be like, how much did you pay for this? And they'd think 30, 40 dollars. It's it's a great wine. The Chateau de Napa, the price point is about sixty. Mm-hmm.
1: Not on sale. So if you get it on Wine Wednesday, it's gonna be forty five ish. So think of the price of fifteen versus forty five ish. Right. Now I'm not i I'm not trashing yeah, <laughs> the pop because it is excellent. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that the listeners need to realize is just because you bought that hundred dollar bottle of wine, that not that doesn't mean it's twice as good as that fifty dollar bottle of wine. It just depends on the winery,
0: the location and your taste, (laughs) your palate. Yeah. And this wine is 2016, so it's got a little bit of age on it. It's a little bit developed. Um, So it's it's a great wine. Good choice, Dad. Yeah. So All right. I'm, I'm about I'm about out. I think we're about ready for the blind. I think so. So each week, um, one of us will be blind tasting whatever it is. So this week it's gonna be wine. And since I'm more of the wine guy, as of right now, don't worry, Dad. You will be doing wine blinds later. Uh, I'm gonna be blind blinding this wine. I've mentioned before and that noise is it's in a blind. Paper bag. Yeah, it's, it's, he's pouring, he's currently pouring it out of a paper bag. Um, so I don't know what it is. It could be anything in the world at this point. Um, old world or new world. It could be, it could be anything. And like I mentioned before, I am a level one sommelier from the quartermaster sommeliers. And so I have a specific way that I taste through wine. Um, They call it the grid. Uh, I have a couple friends who may join us in later episodes that are WSET or WSET uh, level wine professionals, and they taste wine a little bit differently. Um, So when they do it, it may be a little different. So if you want to kind of follow along with what I do, uh, you can go to you can Google the Court of Master Sommelier's resources page and you can find you can find on there their tasting grid. And I'm going to be using the certified um, tasting grid and I'm going to add a few things that I know as well. And later on, as we go, I will post a tasting grid, which I used when I was a floor sommelier that was developed by a friend of mine who was going after their um, advanced in their advanced level for the quartermaster sommeliers.
1: So, so far, all Josh knows is that wine that I just
0: poured is red. Yes. So, and... If you haven't seen the movie Psalm, um, kind of the way tasting works at the Master Sommelier level, which is the top level, is you will be seated in front of six wines and you have 25 minutes to taste through these wines and decide where they're from, what grape they are, and what vintage. So what year were they made? And along the way, you get points for saying particular things or hitting particular markers in the wine. Now, at the level, the highest test that I've taken is the certified. And at the certified, you get two wines, one white, one red. And you have a piece of paper that you fill out and you turn in to the master sommeliers and they grade it. And it's in conjunction with your written test that you take. Um, So since I was practicing with a somebody who is going after their advance and they do it all verbally. I learned how to do it verbally. So that's what we're going to be doing today. All right, let's get started. All right. All right. So this wine is a red wine. So the first thing I'm going to go through is I'm going to go through how it looks. Um, This is a red wine. It is kind of, it is a, Medium concentration of ruby and going out to the edge, it is just kind of goes through a watery meniscus. There's no change in color as it goes, as I have it tilted to the side and it goes out to the edge. Um, There's no evidence of gas, so like bubbles, and there's no real evidence of sediment. Uh, Some of the secondary colors of the wine are kind of it's it's a pretty deep, deep ruby, almost verging on purple um when it comes to the tears uh there's no staining so there's no color in the tears and they are i just call them kind of the viscosity of medium yeah so they're not too big they're not really going that fast um so it kind of tells me the alcohol is going to be medium on it and let's smell it now All right, this wine is clean. There's no noticeable f- faults in it. There's maybe, there's maybe some uh, Brettanomyces on it. So what Brett is is kind of makes it smell like horse. It smell like what? It smells like sweaty horse. Oh no, Josh. That's not a bad no. thing. It's just I got the wrong wine. No, it's fine. It's fine. It just it kind of helps. What it does is it helps me understand possibly where it's from because there's yeah. particular regions that have Brett. Anyway, continuing i say this is going to kind of be a youthful young wine uh, when it comes to the fruits on this wine. So I had to blow in the glass to get out some of that SO2 and kind of some of that bread.
1: Uh, yeah, the if you want to
0: see that, folks,
1: he's got his nose all the way down in that glass. That's what helps me best. Yeah. It's kind of that sideways movie. If you haven't seen that, you ought to watch that one,
0: too. So it's the, the fruits on this are going to be predominantly black fruit. So kind of like black cherry, blackberry. But kind of, you know, the first thing that hits you is kind of this earthiness. It's got barnyard. It kind of reminds you of walking into a barn. Oh, my Josh. goodness, Josh. That brat smell of the animal animal smell Mm. it's kind of some dustiness on it some kind of compost (coughs) on it maybe a little bit bit of rockiness in it Um, (laughs) be quiet (laughs) messing me up Uh, there's definitely some evidence of oak usage some some kind of baking spices kind of more in the allspice maybe some clove level and then some like desiccated flowers. All right, let's taste it. Oh my goodness! All right, so acid. Acid on this wine is medium. Tannins are medium plus. I'm still feeling them up on my up on my lip. Uh, alcohol. I call it medium plus in the alcohol. So kind of confirming what the legs were telling me. It is a kind of rounded wine, um, medium, medium body. And it is bone dry. So. <laughs> tasting this wine, it's going to I'm confirming all that black fruit, black cherry, blackberry, because, you know, kind of some currant maybe a little bit of overripe overripe kind of strawberry. I oh, man, that fruit's like stewed, cooked That's kind of fruit there's there's that meat, like a meaty characteristic to this wine kind of like <clears throat> uh, kind of like cooked meat, you know, right off the grill Did you say you got smokiness from it? Mm-mm. no not smoke it's not smoky it's just that characteristic of like when you eat cooked red meat they're kind of what it smells like um i mean there is actually some light smoke on it but not like smoked meat um like kind of like campfire smoke uh some of those same earthy earthy components for, you know dusty barn animal um some desiccated flour there's still that spice from the kind of from the from the oak there's like a vegetalness too yeah there's like a green kind of like a greeniness to it like almost like green pepper but not quite hmm. um so, this is a good wine. I am enjoying this wine. Um, it's kind of, eh, I'd say, it's a little bit out of balance. It's a little bit balanced toward more of those earthy characteristics, uh, kind of the barn, the barn, the Brett, those kind of things. Um, it's fairly complex. There's a lot going on to it. The finish. Kind of keeps going. So I'm going to call this finish medium plus. All right. So I've gone through it. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to come to an initial conclusion. So I'm going to kind of take everything that I've talked about and start to decide what this is. So I think. (laughs) Can you tell if it's old world or new world? So based on how this tastes, I think this is a old world wine. I think it comes from a moderate climate, so not really hot, not really cold. But I think it's tending toward the hot. I think the possible grapes in this wine are Syrah, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, and maybe. Uh, I think that's all I'm going to say. I think this could come from Spain. I think this could come from France in the old world. So when yeah, it comes to old grapes, world, that's pretty complex. So when it comes to old world versus new world, we're talking about old world is Europe and new world is everywhere else. So, so I'm already, I've, I've already narrowed it down to, I'm looking at two different countries. <laughs> I'm looking at three possible grapes. And I think this wine is between three to five years old. So between 2017 and 2015, um, let me taste I think that this is a not not just because we tasted it tonight but I think this is a a Syrah a Syrah based wine from France from the Rhone and I'm going to call it at two thousand. Seventeen. All right, there you
1: have it. All That's right. Josh's thoughts. So next week we'll reveal what wine Josh tasted, and we'll reveal how well he did. And next
0: week we're doing beers, right, Josh? We're going to be doing beer. So kind of the theme of the episode is we're going to be doing the lagers versus ales. Uh, kind of breaking it down to some of our basics when it comes to beer. So, Dad, you got the ale. So what are you going to be doing? I'm going to do a Diamond Bear Pale Ale. Oh, I kind of so, love the brewery.
1: Listeners, you know we're from Little Rock. And if you know Diamond Bear, you know they're on North Little Rock side of the river. Now, this Pale Ale is of an English style. If you want to go out and buy this beer, go to your local liquor store. I'm sure you'll find it, or you can, uh, you can clearly buy it at the brewery it comes in a green can and it says
0: beer in its natural state diamond bear pale ale english style and if you're not from arkansas and you can't find this beer because it's not just it's not really distributed outside of arkansas too much um just go to your local liquor store and ask them for an english for an english style pale ale um and that will be great and then what I'll be doing, since I'm doing the loggers, I'll be use, doing another local brewery called Flyway, and I'll be doing their RNT Amber Lager. So it's a it's RNT Amber Lager. It's from another local brewery in North Little Rock called Flyway and I'll talk about kind of more where the name comes from in the next episode. So you can go down it is distributed within the state of Arkansas and or you can go down the brewery and get it. But if you can't get it, go to your local your local liquor store and ask them for an amber lager. They might point you to Doseckis, which is fine which because it is a lager, an amber lager, and they may give you some other ones. So and we're going to be doing the kind of the same thing with our pairings. We're going to have kind of some heavy, heavier meats. Um, So I think we'll probably have some of the (coughs) excuse me. We'll probably have some prosciutto again because we like to kind of have that because it's a good base base when it comes to meat. Um, We'll also probably have some bratwurst with this episode to kind of bringing some of the beer thing and with cheese, we're probably going to focus on a little bit of a sharper cheddar kind of style cheese. So, well, thank you for tuning in this week and to uh, our, to our acquired tastings. Follow us on Instagram at acquired tastings, Twitter at acquired tasting Find us on Facebook and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. We hope you had a good time. We hope you enjoyed the wines. Go out and
1: buy them. Go out and buy the beers. Be ready for next week. Yeah, and we'll see you next week.
0: All right. Bye-bye.